Hour number one of the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105.3 The Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. What's happening? Larry D. Flores holding it down for you here on this hump night edition, RJ Choppy, of the Get Right. Just do it every time. That's right. We're Reggie KG here on 105.3 The Fan at Kevin Gray Sports at Reg Atatula. If you want to get at us on Twitter, we're live on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. Also on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam. Hanging out in the Twolo Lounge. So get at us there as well. Also on YouTube at 105.3 The Fan. Search 105.3 The Fan on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button while you're there to check out all of our fantastic content for all of our shows with you until 11 p.m. tonight. Got a fun show lined up for you as we are just one week away from training camp 2023 for your Dallas Cowboys. Coming up at 7.20 here in about 19 minutes, Aaron Schatz, formerly of Football Outsiders, NFL analytics expert and guru and author of FTN's Football Almanac 2023. He's going to be joining us at 7.20. And then at 8 o'clock, Jay Cornegie, the vice president of race and sportsbook operations at the Sportsbook Westgate in Las Vegas, going to be joining us, getting us some odds and some things happening in Vegas, including, of course, Errol Spence Jr. But Crawford getting down in Vegas not too long from now. So I have a lot to talk with Jay with. Can't. Wait. At 8 o'clock tonight here on the Get Right. Before we get into what we will ultimately talk about, which is your Texas Rangers. That's I, right. I did promise a shout out to someone. Oh. So shout out to Sean, who was a, who was a Tolo and who was uh, driving one of those ride sharing, I believe his Lyft, uh, yeah. picked up one of my homies and was listening to the fan, said that he loves listening to Can't See Masterpiece, myself, and also he loves listening to us on nights. Oh, that's So I want to sh- shout out Sean. Uh, hope you're listening. Appreciate you for... Uh, being a Tolo, first and foremost, and for picking up the homie Jimmy and taking him where he needed to be. For sure. The text line 877-81-1053, 877-81-1053. If you want to get in on the conversation, we are with you tonight and tomorrow uh, from 7 to 11 p.m., so a couple of nights of the get-right here on your home of the Cowboys and Texas Rangers 105 through the fans. Speaking of the good guys, the good guys today were able to handle business. Let's go with cuts. Number 17, Leody Tavares, have yourself a day as he helped the Rangers move to 6-0 and since the All-Star break. Cut number 17, Leody Tavares, handling business today. One ball and two strikes. Jankowski leads off his second. Simeon on deck, Fauché's pitch. Breaking ball hit on the ground, right side, pass the dive of Lau in the center field of base hit. Jankowski hits 30, comes home and scores. Leody Tavares putting a two-strike pitch in play, and he's able to squirt it through the infield to give Texas a 2-0 lead. That is a lead that the Texas Rangers would not relinquish, and the Texas Rangers today handle business and move to now 6-0 as they get a clean sweep of Randy Rosarena and the Tampa Bay Rays. Your Texas Rangers playing some terrific baseball out of the All-Star break. They get it done at Globe Life Field earlier today on your home with the Rangers 105 through the fans. Yeah, back-to-back sweeps to come back from the All-Star break. So the sky is not falling, thankfully, right? Like, that's how we went into the All-Star break, was wondering, is the sky falling in some ways? There was a lot of concerns. They hadn't won, what was it? They had, uh, what hadn't won five series straight, but they had straight up lost for the five series heading into the All-Star break. They come back and they're like, don't worry about it, fellas. We got you with a couple of sweeps, uh, one of them against the Pretty uh, highly regarded Tampa Bay Rays, who, after losing today, no longer hold sole possession of the lead in the AL East. Although, one thing I was looking at, because I was watching this game on Bally's, 
Um, the Rays in the last in this uh, month of July have Struggled. not been good at all. In fact, like one of the worst teams in the league when it comes to certain things. So I wonder I, I, with that and with that you know perspective, how much has these you know these past games done for you and your belief? In, and I guess belief in the Rangers is a weird way to phrase it, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Like, mm-hmm. where are you now in the perspective? Because I know that going into the into the break, there was a lot of concern about this team. Like, I wonder if that is if any of that is abated or folks are just you know holding their breath and seeing how it goes against the Dodgers and the Astros after that, right? I I wonder where people are because this was a fantastic game in and of itself uh, when we talk about John Gray's outing, when we talk about the debut of Alex Spies, who, uh, shout out to Jared Sandler, who gave us the heads up on, hey, watch out for that guy. Um, Where where do you kind of sit? Well, as you look at the standings after the 5-1 win today, only one team in the American League has more wins than the Texas Rangers and the Tampa Bay Rays, or in the Texas Rangers, excuse me. And that's the team that the Rangers just swept three games in a row. And that'd be the Tampa Bay Rays. You look at the standings right now, Tampa Bay at 60 and 39. Baltimore now is first place in the AL East at 58 and 37. And your Texas Rangers are right there at 58 and 39. And this was the kind of start that I thought the Rangers needed coming off of the All-Star break. Maybe not necessarily getting a clean sweep of both the Guardians of the AL Central, and now the Tampa Bay Rays in the first six games coming out of the break. But you had to establish that going what was going into the All-Star break wasn't necessarily something that would linger post-All-Star break, which was the inability. We've seen the pitching struggle a little bit, obviously hitting with runners in scoring position. This team has come out on all cylinders, and right now having won six straight, seven and three in their last ten, and now with 58 wins, only Tampa has more. So you give this team a lot of credit for coming out with the kind of focus that they needed to, and they've been able to do it coming out of the All-Star break. And also, you look at the run difference, because I know you love run differential. Sure. Number one in all of the American League are your Texas Rangers at plus 166 in terms of run differential. They're beating good teams that we've seen in Cleveland and now Tampa. Can they keep it going when they take on Corey Seager's former team, Los Angeles Dodgers. And I guess the one of the reasons why I asked was an uh, you know an opportunity for me to then get my answer. You know them folks that will like ask you a question knowing damn well they don't care about what you think. They just kind of are waiting for you to get your answer out so that they can get to theirs. Mm-hmm. Hand up. I'm being that guy right now. I'm so excited right now. And it's, <laughs> and it's not just because they've they swept a couple of uh, series, which, by the way, the six-game win streak, win streak, the longest that they've had since, oh, I can't remember, but it's definitely the longest that they've had all year. That's one thing I can say for certain. And so, like, they're doing something that they hadn't done all season to begin with. And then secondly, um, some of this is what what has been the big issue that people have talked about since essentially the very start of the season with this Rangers. It's been the bullpen. The bullpen. We've seen some maybe not like uh, full solid answers. But uh, when you look at obviously Araldis Chapman, who was you know fully exhibiting his his uh, position in this, we we seen Leclerc come in in some situations and not look terrible of late. In fact, um, I'll I'll need to pull back up some stats about what he's been doing. But he's looked like he's on level, like he's been able to get his head right, especially coming out of the All Star break. And then the debut of this gentleman, Larry. If you could hit cut fifteen for me, uh, Alex Spees, who Jared Sandler told us about. Apparently, he came out here and was like, you know what, I can I can do this. One out, full count, payoff pitch, Margot goes. Swing and a miss, the throw to second, the tag, they got him! Strike him out, throw him out, double play. Welcome to the big leagues, Alex Spees. How about that? 
He pumps his fist and then pounds Jonah Himes' glove as they walk to the dugout and send us to the stretch in style. I mean, that's that man's major league debut. He comes in in a high leverage situation, a one-run lead, I believe, uh, in that in that inning, and he comes in with a man aboard. You heard it. You heard Jared Sandler call it the mm-hmm. strike. Strike him out. Throw him out. Uh, double play to get out of the inning. I mean, this guy came in in a high leverage situation, and this is a guy that did not play baseball last year. He took the year off after you know going spending a lot of time uh, since 2016 in the Rangers system, and then you know he took last year off to get his mind right. Spent some time coaching. Uh, some baseball, and thank you to the text line for saying the uh, longest win streak since 2019. Appreciate that. Um, and then he comes out, and he finally gets up to the majors. He'd been playing pretty well in Double A with Frisco and uh, in Triple A with Round Rock earlier this year. And he comes up, and now he looks like a viable. And I, I don't want to place too much on this one game, but he looks like a viable bullpen arm, and just another answer, or another. Part of the answer, I guess, for the bullpen, because we still know that something needs to be done when it comes to the trade deadline. But remember, we had Jared on last week and we asked mm-hmm. him, what are some of the options on trying to solve this outside of just going and trading for some pitching? And this was one of the names that he brought up is some of those internal candidates that can maybe make their way up. And we've already seen Alex Spees. And yes, he did hit 100 miles per hour on one of those pitches. So it's not just that, you know, he is you know, hitting his spots. He also got some stuff with it as well. But this is one of the guys that can obviously give Bruce Bochy, who's a fantastic bullpen manager, another tool in his tool belt. And that that makes me excited, giving Bochy more tools to work with. Uh, Obviously, I don't think that will go poorly, right? I mean, when it comes to, and I'm 469 referencing in terms of the American League, when it comes to those wins, when it comes to Tampa, Baltimore, and the Texas Rangers talking about the most wins in the American League, I know Atlanta's handling their business right now, running away with things in the in the NL East. I mean, but you get Spees a lot of credit. Guy coaching high school kids for a year, and now, as you mentioned, a high leverage situation. Bochi with the trust in him to put him in that spot, he delivers. And the Rangers bullpen having to piece this together, we believe that Chris Young, the general manager of this team, is going to allow himself to be aggressive at the trade deadline to address the needs of this team, namely in the bullpen. And for this team, if they're able to do so, they have reinforced the confidence, I think, of not just Bruce Bochy, but also this front office about their ability to win and to contend this year that should give them the kind of confidence going into the trade deadline that they can make the kind of aggressive moves that could possibly push them over the top when it comes to a deep postseason run and possibly toward an AL pennant. And today, the offense continued to help out Jonah Heim who continues to prove himself as one of the best catchers, maybe the best Adley Rutschman in the game right now. Jonah Heim handling business today. The set by Kelly and the pitch. And that ball is driven deep to right field. Home run, Jonah Heim. A line drive blast that sails over Margot and goes at least a half dozen rows up into the seats. 14th home run of the year for Jonah. And we've got some separation now. It's 5-0 Texas. Matt Hicks on the call on the Louisiana Hot Sauce Rangers Radio Network. Jonah Heim, three-run home run, made it 5 to nothing. He continues to play very good baseball for this team. And you look at the Rangers, you have to consider them one of the more complete teams in the game if they are able to fully address their bullpen situation. And I'm at the point, I know they're still, you know, acclimating a role as Chapman to this bullpen and for this team. But the way that he's come out throwing heat when he's had opportunities – to come out of the bullpen for this Rangers club, 
He could be the closer for the rest of the year. Will Smith could be a setup guy. I'm not sure if they'll go that route. I don't it, think so either. It but feels I think- very much like uh, Bochi wants to respect the 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 work that Will Smith has done, and obviously having Agreed. guys that you know throw from either side, having them in this co closer role mm-hmm. might work well. And I think also again, it does not limit a guy who we know is really good when it comes to managing pitchers, particularly out of the bullpen. I'm entirely, I like the idea of letting Bruce Bochy kind of have that opportunity and that flexibility to decide who needs that, you know, the, the, the higher leverage situation in the situation, who you, does he want on a given day to close it out? Or the, even in the instance of you have a guy who can close it out one night and if you, you know, maybe he's had too many, uh, too many innings the last couple of days, he can then have a next day off and you still have a closing caliber player available to you the next night. I kind of like that co co closer situation. And maybe I'm just, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid. But I mean, if it's Bruce Bo- Bochi Kool-Aid, I feel like that's a smart <laughs> Kool-Aid to drink, right? That's the three time World Series champion Kool-Aid you're drinking there. Uh from the four six nine. Look, not necessarily going after Adley Rutschman. I think it's a running joke, Peyton Russell, when it comes to Adley Rutschman and how we feel about him. But look, you Yeah, there's a lot of high praise for Adley Rutschman. You realize that the Orioles have not like been swept in a series since Adley Rushman has been on that team. I mean, he's great, ba- great baseball player. <laughs> like, like, like what? There's nothing to take away from Rushman. But what I'm doing and trying to put in perspective here is how good Jonah Heim has been for this team this season and the consistency at which he has done it with that he is in the conversation for the best catcher in the game, a starter in the All Star game, obviously for the American League as well. He has put together a tremendous year. And you give him a lot of credit for that. But again, that's nothing to take away from Adley Rutschman and what the Baltimore Orioles have done so far. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, now first place in the AL East uh, after the Rangers swept the Tampa Bay Rays in this series. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I mean, I think, again, uh, we're excited about having the longest winning streak uh, of the season thus far and the longest one since 2019. Excited about seeing some of the bullpen arms come to life, which I guess I have to speak to uh, because someone on the text line is like, he has not looked good. Look, I'm not here to tell you that he is now going to be like in in the running for closer. But over his last seven games, only one earned run, and his ERA is one four two. Right, like that is something that is better than where it was prior. Um, and I think that's worth noting that he and he's you know obviously spoken I you know with uh, Emily Jones McCoy kind of talking about the ways in which he feels like he's been able to calm down. He's been able to kind of get it back together somewhat. I, I think that 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 is worth noting, and I think. Obviously, if you can get Leclerc back to a place where he is usable, right? Because there were times where he did not view look like he was usable. If he can look usable, obviously he doesn't need to be a high leverage arm, but you need him um, amongst the arms in your bullpen. And, and I guess also from the four six nine, someone wanted to shout out that Brooke, Brock Burke is starting to look like twenty twenty two Brock Burke again. So like just seeing more arms become available to uh, to Bruce Bochy that you're also then going to add to, hopefully, at the trade deadline is great. Uh, but yes, obviously, the Dodgers are still going to be a measuring stick, right? You're going to go up against one of the better teams in baseball, and then after that, you will also then go ahead and play the Astros again. So, you know, I obviously, we're st- we still got games mm-hmm. to kind of tell more of the story, but I think that there's it's perfectly okay to look at where... Um, the Rangers are to start the second half or like the proverbial second half because it's not like the technical second half of the Post season. Post-All-Star break. There we go. Thank mm-hmm. you. And I think that it's there's cause for joy and uh, cause for celebration, at least right now for the Rangers, at least in my mind. The Rangers are 58 and 39, matching the best ever record in franchise history through 97 games. The last time this team was 58 and 39 through 97 games was back in 2012. For the Texas Rangers. Wow. How about that? Okay. 
<laughs> so should I go ahead and pen it? Should I go ahead and? I mean, you might want to go ahead and book it. Okay, cool. just go go ahead and book it. Don't worry, we're gonna talk to our guy in Vegas at eight. So that's right. That's Jay right. Cornegan. We'll get some updated odds when yeah. it comes to the. Uh, I'll find out how much money I need to put down <laughs> to to not have to work ever again. The Texas Rangers. Uh, the Rangers get back on the diamond on Friday when Corey Seager welcomes his former club, the Los Angeles Dodgers, to Globe Life Field. Of course, the former Rookie of the Year and World Series MVP for the Dodgers gets to take on his former club at Globe Life Field starting on Friday. That sounds fun. Also, I feel bad that I did not mention John Gray once. And hes I feel like that's been the story of the season. It's just like he's been having a good season, and we're just like not talking about him. Tough as nails. Much. Took the liner off the leg today. Right. Uh, he goes four and a third, and I yeah. think he probably would have gone. He would have gotten like a, a quality start mm-hmm. because he was out there doing work. Mm-hmm. He just took the liner off the off the shin. Today. But he's going to be okay. So that's good news there when it comes to, to John Gray. Uh, Dolis Garcia also going to be okay uh, as well for the Rangers. It's the Get Right or Reggie KG right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, let's talk a little NFL. We talked to Aaron Schatz, NFL analytics guru and author of FTN's Football Almanac 2023. We do that next on 105.3 The Fan. It's the Get Right or Reggie KG right here on 105.3 The Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. What's up? Larry D. Flores holding it down for you here on this Wednesday. I really appreciate you joining us on Odyssey. And the Odyssey app, the text line, 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053. If you want to get in on the conversation, we're also live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash DallasFanCam and on YouTube as well. Search 105 through the fan and hit the subscribe button there. Right now, though, we go to the hotline. Where we welcome in one of our two guests this evening. You can find him on Twitter at NFL, founder of Football Outsiders, creator of DVOA, He's an AP All-Pro and MVP voter. He's an NFL analytics expert and author of the FTN Football Almanac 2023. Aaron Schatz joining us here on the Get Right. Aaron, what's going on? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Life is good. We're finishing up the book. We're getting ready for the season. Everything's good. Aaron, super excited to talk to you because I've long appreciated your work. Um, and I need some help, which I'm sure you've been asked a ton of times because I love referencing DVOA, but always <laughs> it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle, as I'm sure you might imagine, to fully explain. How would you, can you help me? How, how is the way that I should explain DVOA to folks who are uninitiated? The super short version is that it measures success on every play compared to a baseline that's adjusted for situation and opponent. Okay. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that audio, I'm going to clip it, I'm going to put it on my phone, and when anybody <laughs> asks me, I'm just playing We're that. No, play that back. Uh, I'm fascinated by that, and I guess we'll get into a mm-hmm. lot of analytic things, in fact, including the running back situation mm-hmm. that has popped off, but uh, I've been fascinated with, like, how did you get to this place? Because obviously, like, the idea is very no- novel or noble, I guess, the idea of, like, let's see if we can get something that's a baseline across the board, but how do you get there in trying to figure out um, DVOA? It started out with a book called The Hidden Game of Football that came out in the, in the late 80s, and the idea of success points on every play. So it came up, you know, they had the idea that, you know, getting 40% of the yardage was worth one point and 60% was worth two points. And then I put that together, and then I was like, but you have to compare it to a baseline because otherwise you'd end up with, like, fullbacks as the most valuable players in football because when they carry the ball – it's usually on the goal line and they score a touchdown and it's very valuable, but almost anybody would score on, you know, first and goal from the one. Right. So 
you had to use a baseline and then adjust for opponent because every team plays a different schedule. And that's how I came up with DBOA. Been doing it for 20 years now. Yeah, I was like, don't tell Pete Carroll about scoring on <laughs> the one. But that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there at this point. Uh, shout out to Marshawn Lynch. Um, Aaron, as we look at today's analytics and the way that it has affected the game and your work and what you've done over the course of now two decades, how has the how has analytics changed the game based on the way that you have studied the game and what it means for how teams utilize the information that comes from analytics now? It's definitely changed the way coaches coach in games, especially over the last six years since the Eagles won the Super Bowl, right? Teams go for it on fourth down, not as much as analytics says that they should, but much more than they used to. They pass more than they used to. They run more play action. They run more motion. All these things that analytics tell us are very good have become more popular. It's also really affected the way teams construct their rosters. And you talked about the running back situation, right? I mean, the the fact is, teams are more cognizant now of what the value of certain positions is. And we know that certain positions, it's harder to find good players than at other positions. And therefore you have to pay a premium for the best players at a position like quarterback or wide receiver or offensive tackle, as opposed to a position where it's easy to find a talented player like running back. And let's stick with that because we have seen Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley not receive long-term contracts from their respective teams. And there have been some folks within the football community who have looked to analytics as partly to blame for the quote-unquote devaluing of the running back, if you will, based off of the way that teams are utilizing their running backs and what they could get for production based off of someone else playing that same position at a lower cost. What would you say to individuals who would criticize analytics for the way that the running back position is either viewed or has changed based off of that information. Yep, where to blame? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not hiding from it. Where to blame because we're we're right, and because teams realize that we're right. There's there's two things going on here. The first is that running is less important in the modern game of football than it used to be. Passing, like teams realize passing is just much more efficient than running. And therefore, you've got to put more money in your pass offense and your pass defense than your run offense and your run defense. The other thing that's going on is there are a lot of talented running backs out there. This isn't about the idea that best running backs are not great athletes and hard workers. This is about the fact that there's lots of guys that are great athletes and hard workers, which is why you keep having guys from the fifth and sixth and seventh rounds. All of a sudden, Isaiah Pacheco and Tyler Algier are playing great. Uh, We know that the running game is uh, driven more by the offensive line than people tended to think in the past, right? The running back was always the star, but the offensive line is, you know, moves the block, you know, moves the, uh, moves the defense. So, There's so many reasons why running backs have been devalued. Here's the good news. The good news is that money that used to go to running backs did not disappear. It goes to other players at other positions. So it's, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like analytics people don't think football players should be paid. We just think more money should be going to cornerbacks or pass rushers. 
We're talking to Aaron Schatz. He's an NFL analytics expert and the uh, author of the FTN Football Almanac. Go ahead and check that out because it's always very helpful and very useful. Uh, kind of pursuant to the running backs conversation, but not exactly about it. Um, I, one thing I think about a lot is just obviously when it comes to anything statistical, the more that you stick to what I guess is supposed to be the right answer, the more likely you fall into that you know preferable outcome. But like, how do you how do you balance that with kind of the nature of football and like I guess the common thought process that eventually you know sometimes there are times where you need to zig as opposed to zagging, uh, you know, kind of having the outlier situation. Uh, do you kind of subscribe to the idea that always stick to what should work, or how, how do you balance that? Uh, the idea of maybe sometimes going away from what the numbers would suggest. No, sometimes you have to zig. It's you, it's a chess game, man. You gotta like you know. Like I said, passing is always more efficient than running. Uh, but it doesn't mean you stop running entirely, right? Like somewhere there is a happy medium between passing and rushing. We just haven't reached that ratio yet. But, you know, absolutely. The fact is that you need to switch things up a little bit. Like if you're really good from 12 personnel, you still have to run some other personnel groups sometimes just to switch up what the defense does. And if you're really good passing, you still want to run sometimes just to make sure that the defense respects the play fake. Like there's it's, that's part of the chess game of football. So Aaron, uh, one of the things obviously that you're very familiar with and you've kind of alluded to in this conversation is just kind of the the negative connotation that comes with the word analytics. What, What is the, what is like maybe one thing that you would want to say to folks that kind of have a negative view of analytics? Yeah, it's just about studying data to figure out how to win more games. We're, we're all out here trying to win more games, uh, or for those of us who are in the media, we're trying to be more accurate in what we say about teams. And it's just, you know, using data. We, everybody uses data and their eyes when they judge football players. What we're doing in analytics is improving the data part of that. So you're not just depending on yardage totals, but you're depending on stats that are you know, adjusted for context. It doesn't mean we stop using our eyes. It doesn't mean we stop scouting. But it means that the stats part of what we do is much better than it used to be. Speaking of that information, now in its 19th season, your FTN Football Almanac 2023 gold standard when it comes to preseason NFL previews and one of the favorites in this year's version, the Dallas Cowboys projected to have the most wins with 11, followed by San Francisco, Kansas City, and Buffalo, what are the numbers telling you going into the season about Dallas and why they are projected based on what we see here to have 11 wins given this tough schedule that they're going to be playing this year? Yeah, Dallas, their schedule is, first of all, their schedule is not that tough. It's pretty average. The fact is this is a really good all-around team, right? They're strong on offense. They're strong on defense. They've been strong on offense and defense for a couple years now, so you've got a track record. People tend to overestimate the importance of the playoffs when it comes to projecting future performance, right? The fact is, for all regular season, for two straight regular seasons, Dallas has been a really good team. So don't look at the fact that they fell on their faces in the playoffs each year and go, well, now they're just an average team because they played badly in one game because you learn more from 17 games than you do from two. Aaron, what's a commonly misunderstood thing about analytics? Like maybe folks who are not like the smartest in analytics, but like diving in. What's the thing that you see kind of most misunderstood in this space? Oh, it's tough. Um, I mean, I think sometimes people, 
um, sometimes people take the stuff about running backs not ma- uh, not mattering too seriously. Like there is a difference between good and bad running backs. Like it's not as big as, as people think it is, but it, it does exist. It's just there are better stats than just yards per carry that tell us like what a running back is doing separate from his offensive line. So my, my partner here, KG, was talking about the almanac, and obviously you go through great lengths to put it together. What's, what's like something that's kind of caught your attention, that's kind of bounced around in your head in uh, preparing this year's version of the almanac? Well, I think um, the biggest surprise people are going to find in the almanac is how much we like Atlanta and New Orleans this year. And that's because Atlanta and New Orleans are going to be surprisingly average. <laughs> Like, everybody thinks that every team in the NFC South is just a black hole of death. But the fact is, there's lots of reasons to believe that Atlanta and New Orleans can be average. And they have the two easiest schedules in the league by far. Like, I would not be shocked. Our projections, if our projections all came out true, which, of course, they never do, let's be honest. But, you know, if they did, we would have both those teams in the playoffs because their schedules are so easy. That's fascinating <laughs> because we look at the NFC South, and for me, at least based off of just the raw numbers and what you're looking at roster-wise, you feel like New Orleans would be the best team in that division and that the only team coming out of that division would be the New Orleans Saints going to the playoffs. But that would be interesting if Atlanta, especially with their quarterback situation with Desmond Ritter, are able to find themselves into the playoffs this year. Their defense should be much improved over last year. They added a lot of talent. There's a lot of reason to believe that Atlanta can put together a, like you know one of the top dozen defenses in the league which would be a big improvement. Fun question before before we let you go, because we love talking about just the NFL and NFL itself, but obviously the the best player in the league is Patrick Mahomes, and of course the Kansas City Chiefs, one of the top teams in terms of DVOA as well. How fun is it just looking at the numbers when it comes to the Chiefs, particularly their (laughs) offense when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and what they do on a week-to-week basis? Oh, my God. I mean, the dude's a legend. I mean, the fact is if he continues at this pace, he'll be the best player ever. But, but you, you know, there's no, there's no guarantee. It's only been five or six years of this. Like, let's see him do it for 20. <laughs> but, like, how good he is now? I, I don't know if there's ever been a quarterback who was as good at his peak as what Mahomes has been for the last four or five years. It'll be fun to watch that offense this year in terms of the AFC West with all they've got going on there. And then, according to your almanac as well, the AFC East projected to have the hardest schedule this year in the National Football League, of course, with Aaron Rodgers joining the AFC East as a part of the New York Jets. Aaron, tell the folks so they can find you and the work that you're doing and a little bit more about the Football Almanac this year. Yeah, so this is the book that was previously known as Football Outsiders Almanac. It's now the FTN Football Almanac. You can find out more by going to ftnfantasy.com. Look for the picture of Mahomes down on the right side of the page. The book is $29.99 on an early bird special for the next week. Then it's $34.99 after that. Uh, We're shooting to come out on August 7th, but I'm hoping to come out a little earlier. Uh, We'll have chapters on all 32 teams, all our advanced stats, projections for all the fantasy players, odds of every team winning the Super Bowl, odds of getting the number one pick in next year's draft. And, yes, we like the Dallas Cowboys a lot. Oh, well, if that's the case, we'd love to talk to you again here soon, Aaron. that's that's, That's a great thing to hear. Yeah, I mean, we think they're going to be good this year, man. So if you're a Dallas fan and you want to read happy things about your team, you need to buy our book. Well, we appreciate the time with you joining us here on the Get Right. You can find him on Twitter at Aaron at A Shots NFL. 
Aaron Schatz, good enough to join us here on 105 to the Fan. Aaron, thank you so much for the thank time. You, this is great. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. There he goes, Aaron Schatz, good enough to join us here on the Get Right. Again, the FTN Football Almanac 2023. Going to have a lot of great stuff going into this year's NFL season. So you're going to buy both of ours then? This I'm sorry, what? You say you're going to buy us a pair, right? Just because I have two jobs doesn't mean that I can be out here you know, buying stuff for both of That's us. That's exactly what that means. What do you mean? Oh, uh, so Larry going to get us the three. There okay, it is. That's it. right. That's cool. right. That's that's the, You want to talk about the moneymaker right here. Mm-hmm. That's the man right there that got it all right there. Uh, again, thank you to Aaron Schatz for joining us here on the Get Right. Coming up next, we go around the National Football League. We get you caught up on the latest news and notes in and around the NFL. Denzel Mims? Maybe. Ooh. <laughs> next on the Get Right. So get right or Reggie KG right here on 105.3 The Fan. About to go around the National Football League here in just a moment. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. Yo. Larry D. Flores holding it down for you here. Really appreciate you joining us. However, and wherever you may be listening to us, coming up at the top of the hour, Jay Cornegie, the Vice President of Race and Sportsbook Operations at the Sportsbook Westgate Las Vegas, going to be joining us to talk a little uh, NFL odds, a little Errol Spence, Bud Crawford, I'm going to be fighting here in the next uh, week and a half. Cannot wait for that fight between Errol Spence and Bud Crawford. Undefeated and undisputed on the line between those two. Jay Cornegie at the top of the hour here on the get right. At Kevin Gray Sports, at Reg, at Atula. Mm-hmm. If you want to get at us on Twitter. Larry, let's go around the National Football League here on your home of the Cowboys and Texas Rangers. And we start... With this gentleman, because it is now football season, which means, Larry, oh, Lord have mercy. we get to hear Here he goes. from Reggie's favorite NFL insider. I actually quite like him. Ian Rappaport, and he's got some news when it comes to uh, playoff Lenny and who his might, whose team might be next for him in his career. Marty Lenny, playoff Lenny, a lot of different nicknames. We'll see if he can add Patriots running back Leonard Fournette to his moniker. He visited and worked out for New England. That was today. My understanding is, despite the fact that they did not immediately sign him, certainly this is something that at least they will keep tabs on in the future. Was not the only running back to work out for them uh, today. Daryl Henderson also worked out for the New England Patriots. And, you know, really, this makes a lot of sense. They have Ramondre Stevenson has, has established himself as a clear lead back. They lost Damian Harris. They got a little bit of avoided backup running back. Certainly does seem like a veteran would make some sense. Maybe it's the case of either they sign someone before camp or get into camp, see the running backs that they have in the roster, and then maybe decide to add later. You want to see Leonard Fournette in the Patriot uniform? I do not care. <laughs> I mean, it'd be good for Leonard Fournette, obviously, have a job. Um, look, I don't know if it's still the case, but it, it always felt like if you were running back with Bill Belichick, just don't do not do anything wrong because if you do something wrong, anything wrong, you will get a pink slip. <laughs> like That's the way it felt like. I know it's not entirely true. Uh-huh. But yeah, man, like he obviously could serve a purpose. Big body, run the tote, the tote the rock in a way that they're probably going to need to. Um, Because I don't think that that's an offense where they were going to lean all too heavily on uh, your quarterbacks. Although, didn't they just bring Bill O'Brien back? Maybe. That's right. (laughs) He he liked chugging it up there. So, um, I don't know. It it could be interesting. But I I don't think that Leonard Fournette is in that place where he's moving the needle for me one way or another. Especially not on, like, the Patriots, right? We talk about uh, all the conversation that's been happening about running backs and the idea of the running backs don't matter, you know, thought process. 
Like running backs in in a lot of uh, people's estimations and thoughts recently matter when we talk about time to put your team over the top, right? Like the the difference between making your team like great and that that capability of going deep. That is not the conversation that we've been in with the Patriots. Like the Patriots are not a running back away from nothing, right? So like, okay, I hope I hope you can make some money because I'm always pro people making money. But uh, good luck. Sorry to Carter Freeman and his boy, uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Oh, Ramondre, he's, he's going to be up there. Like, if Leonard Fournette come up there, he's not, he's not coming to take all the carries. Let's be honest. I think we all kind of understand that about where he's at in his career at this point. Uh, speaking of opportunities, apparently y'all want Denzel Mims around here. Bad. Apparently they want him bad. Um, as the Jets are, as of right now, not going to be releasing... Denzel Mims, according to the NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, but they're going to continue to seek a trade partner for Denzel Mims to try and get him to a new destination and a fresh start for the former Baylor product, as the Jets did not release him today, despite informing him of their plans. This keeps open the possibility of a trade for Mr. Mims. Someone should do it. I don't think it should be the Cowboys, though. No, it it definitely shouldn't be. Like, one of the reasons why Denzel Mims has kind of been deemed um, extraneous for the Jets is that he would be, like, the fifth wide receiver, sixth wide receiver, and he's definitely better than a fifth wide receiver, sixth wide receiver. And, like, hey, if your team having a really good fifth or sixth wide receiver is great, the problem is he don't play special teams. What does that sound like? The Cowboys, like, love having a fifth, sixth, fifth, fourth, somewhere in there wide receiver that can mm-hmm. play special teams. Um, if he's not gonna play special teams when you bring him over here, where are you slotting him in? Because your starting three is solid. And then we were talking before the show about how you have Jalen Tolbert, right? You have Semi Fihoko, and I understand nobody's gonna look up and say those are guys that should stop anybody from making moves. But those are guys who are reaching that point in their careers where it's like, yeah, we need to see some, especially Tolbert. Like if you were going to use third round capital on him the way that you did, and last year didn't we hardly even get on the field because we thought he was gonna be a suitable replacement, at least to help in some of the production loss from moving on from Amari Cooper, that didn't happen. So Tolbert's got to get an opportunity to be able to prove himself on this roster. Same with Simi Fajoko, who now has a chance to be in a West Coast offense just like he was at Stanford. So he should feel more comfortable with an opportunity to have contributions for this Cowboys wide receiver group as well. So I just don't see Mims in terms of the fit around here. And if you're one of those who are really into the deep cut, of trying to get Kevontae Turpin out there for some reps at wide receiver. That's, Which I don't think I'm not I on that train. With, yeah, I'm not necessarily on that train either. But again, if you're trying to go deep cut with it, then I guess that's where you would want to see an opportunity for Kevontae Turpin as well. Now, Josina Anderson of CBS Sports regarding wide receiver Denzel Mims said that she's told that the Jets had previously had exploratory talks with the Cowboys to discern potential interest in a trade per a source. Uh, something to keep an eye on while Mims remains on the roster so far with the possibility of a trade still open. Um, the idea possibly of going to Pittsburgh uh, with the Steelers is something that she mentions. Ooh, what does their depth chart look like? Because I, for some reason it's not coming to mind. You I know mean, what it is? George Pickens and the mother dudes. You know what time it is? Time of year where you try and remember who's on, on these teams. Deontay Johnson still running around for them? Definitely is. Okay, so it's George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. That's about it. And Al- oh, they did sign Allen Robinson. Sorry to that man. Wow, not the sorry to that man. Yeah, sorry to that man. You couldn't name off the top of your head either. I mean, yes. I got George Pickens and Deontay Johnson for that. That's all I got for you. 
Shout out to Kenny Pickett. Good luck with that uh, in Pittsburgh. But yeah, I don't I don't necessarily understand the fascination uh, with Mims at this point. No, he's, he's a solid wide receiver. He's a good player. He's a solid wide receiver that but, like I I think that. There are teams out there like someone on the text line from the 469 mentions Mims needs to go to the Bears. The Bears would love some Denzel Mims right there, right? Sure. Like, that would be good for him. But you're a team that did a lot to make sure that you had some really good options at wide receiver. And I understand the case that some people are making. Look, young guy, clearly has a lot of talent, size, speed, right? Like, all these things are good that you would like in a vacuum. I just don't know if the situation is there, especially, and we're going to talk about this later, and I'm sure you've heard it up and down right here on 105 Through the Fan because it is the home of the Cowboys, especially with you looking at your salary cap and probably needing to find a few extra million to make sure that your right guard is happy. Woo! You know, like, I don't know that, I don't know that that would be the best use of the salary cap dollars. Yeah, we'll definitely get to the Zach Martin situation uh, at 820 here on your home of the Cowboys. As we continue around the National Football League, congratulations to Alex Highsmith. Uh, my man gets a four-year, $68 million contract mm. extension mm. with the aforementioned Pittsburgh Steelers. Highsmith will now make over $27.7 million in guarantees and $38 million over the first two two new years of his deal. This coming from ESPN's Adam Schefter, uh, last year had a terrific year with the Pittsburgh Steelers at 25 years of age, uh, 14 and a half sacks, a career high for him, and a league-leading five forced fumbles for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Alex Highsmith uh, gets paid by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Good for him as he continues to eat off of T.J. Watt, you know, who's on the other side, being able to get out to the quarterback. And they got Larry Okunjobi. Yep. Um, this all like that that line that defensive line is not going to be fun to play with, man. Good defense, man. Pittsburgh's got good defense. Mika, Mika Fitzpatrick still there. He's just always there. Don't throw well. the football up there. Yeah. Oh, they also have Patrick Peterson. How do you feel about that? I had forgotten they had signed him this offseason. Me too. He had a nice year last year oh, with that's uh, where Demonte KZ is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Peterson had a nice year last year. Remember that uh, interception to seal the game against the um. Buffalo Bills. Remember that epic game between the Bills and the yeah, Vikings, Vikings last year? Yeah. Uh, Peterson had a nice year last year for them, so good for him. But yeah, Pittsburgh got good defense. And of course, Mike Tomlin, Mike the consummate professional and coach that he is, back for yet another season with Pittsburgh. They lock up one of their valued pass rushers. I might need to be nicer to Pittsburgh this year. You think so? I might need to. You might get on the Kenny Pickett train a little bit? We're thinking. We're thinking. Okay. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Najee Harris. Running backs these days being disrespected out there. That's right. You know. Maybe Pittsburgh can make a little wild card run. Maybe. We'll see. That's a tough division. It is tough division. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Between Cincinnati, Baltimore. You got, obviously, Pittsburgh there as well. Um, and Cleveland. We'll see if they can have a little bit of a resurgence. And with Deshaun Watson, of course, Amari Cooper had a terrific year for them last year as well. So, yeah, the AFC uh, North. Uh, tough sled for all four of those teams in that division. Uh, from the two or four, I don't believe in the quarterback for the Steelers. Hey, I'm not sure, but I'm also I'm try- sure I, I also don't uh, think I'm out on Kenny Pickett entirely. Yeah. I thought I was a little bit for a little bit harder, harsher on him in his uh, rookie season than I mm-hmm. should have been, and so I'm trying to reevaluate. So this will be an interesting season for me to see how I actually feel about Kenny Pickett. As a trip around the National Football League here on the Get Right with Reggie KG right here. On 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, Jay Cornegie, the Vice President of Race and Sportsbook Operations at the Sportsbook Westgate Las Vegas, joins us next here on 105.3 The Fan.